Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. SDG Talkers, what is up? Today, you have the fortune to hear from Rachel Svetnoff, a passionate leader dedicated to championing innovation and social impact. Over the past 10 years, Rachel has helped work on all 17 UN SDGs, where she's contributed to over 100 projects with 112 organizations across 35 countries. In our chat today, we will cover how youth activism leads the way in responding to humanitarian crisis and why the youth are key to achieving sustainable development goals. Two key questions that Rachel and I talk about in excess is why do the youth really matter for our future in the pursuit of the SDGs? And is there a need for an additional SDG around youth equity? Stay tuned and enjoy. So why do youth matter for our future in the pursuit of the sustainable development goals? Yeah, so, you know, there are about 200 million youth not in education, employment, or training. That is untapped potential. Like, there are way too many opportunities to overlook to see, like, how we can get youth involved for our future development. If you think about the future, if you think about, you are thinking of yourselves, you are thinking of society at large. And what's fantastic is that just today, or even yesterday, I believe, um, Mackenzie Scott released, like, another like huge round of philanthropic funding to a lot of amazing organizations. And the, the title caption of this was helping future is helping ourselves. Or it's like, so it's, it's along the lines of that, but it's like, if you help one of us, you help all of us. That's what it is. Yeah. And so like thinking about youth is thinking about all of us. I mean, if you see like how like youth are working towards achieving the sustainable development goals, I mean, I can list like, you know, at least five organizations like off the top of my head, let alone like, you know, actually just like kind of digging into it. Like they're the ones that are driving the change. They're the ones that understand the interconnection, not just between the goals, but between ourselves as people. And I think that that is a beautiful combination and coupling of what we can tap into for our future. And there's, there's obviously a hundred which ways we could go from there, but I, I think it's important to look at how over time generations change and this mindset change, the, the macro environment around us changes from the supply chain to wars that change the landscape of political power. It's March, 2022 right now. And there's an unfortunate, horrific situation going on in Ukraine right now that we're hoping is going to get resolved as quickly as possible. But that is something that is is on top of mind for a lot of the youth. And I would love for you to kind of even dive more into that kind of the the mindset of the youth now and how that has changed maybe from 10, 20, 30 years ago. And, and why is the mindset now, you know, like what, what do we need to know about the mindset of the youth right now, just in general? Yeah, so I think that there's this disconnection between inner generations and the fact that, you know, adults now, you know, they that they weren't youth before. They were, you know, of course, you know, we, we know how, how life works. And it's really interesting to see like how social movements have progressed, not necessarily in terms of mindset, but so much as in the opportunity to see everything. You know, it, it's that public information is is 
a lot more public. You know, it's a lot more disseminated quickly, faster, more efficiently. And the youth of today growing up with this technology knows how to, it knows how to replicate this, you know, like in, in a way that almost seems like, you know, as a whole entire movement in of itself. And the mindset that goes along with it, I think while like hasn't changed, has just evolved. I, I would say like it hasn't necessarily like changed or or evolved like in a big difference but i think that it just comes with the technology of being able to see other opinions and perspectives like almost instantaneously like at the at the tip of our fingers and i think technology has like a huge role to play in that which of course was created by humans i think that there's you know something to be said that we think of technology almost as its own like sentience and we're not quite there yet you know despite the the rise and AI. And I don't mean to go off topic here, but I think that, you know, being able to utilize like these tools, we will be able to see like how youth are progressing just faster and quicker. But I think that the overall mindset of youth is the same today as it was then, you know, being able to to challenge the status quo and that idealism, you know, that's very ever present in us. And that's something that I think that's, you know, a lot of uh, whether that be social enterprises or companies, you know, that tend to, to bring this out in us or just organized groups in general. That's what we tend to stick to and what we love and enjoy. Yeah. And we're, it's not quite the matrix yet where it's the red pill or the blue pill, but the rise and in integration of technology and AI and robots within everyday life does kind of terrify me in some regards. And I don't know if, if you've ever, have you ever seen Ready Player One? Have you heard of that? I haven't. I know of it though. Yeah, that one kind of hits home a little bit too, just thinking of the living in virtual worlds. But that's that's probably for another time, another place. But obviously technology is, is a big part of this. And I do think tech is a key part to how humans will continue to live in harmony with Earth. But I, I do one of the biggest challenges that I see with tech is the change management and implementation of this. And I think it's interesting to put a lens of the youth on here where we can come up with these great new widgets or come up with this great new software. But if it's not implemented to benefit the populations, especially the youth, then it's just a a waste of time and money and, and it's just a bunch of PR headlines. What are your thoughts in regards to how we are innovating and adapting the future of technology and that's super broad, obviously, but like any context yeah. in regards to the change management and how it needs to pertain to with keeping the youth in mind. Right. No, I think, you know, to capture this at a high level, it's the only thing that we that is standing in the way of us doing these these big implementation projects is ourselves at the end of the day. And I think youth can see past that BS like in, in very blunt words. I think that what youth don't pay attention to is the bureaucracies or the politics, you know, without even getting into like regular politics itself. It's just interacting with other people. I think the one thing that youth want to focus on is the impact of being able to help, especially the most disenfranchised youth. I think that there, there is a distinction between all youth and those that are considered peripheralized or marginalized. And that's something that we want to be able to, and bringing this back to the original point, is if you help one of us, you help us all. If you help uh, the most disenfranchised, you are helping lift all of us. 
And we want to make sure that equity is at the center of the implementation of this technology. It's being able to think about this and being able to deploy it in a way that truly and genuinely, I think, you know, that is also something that sometimes to be most mindful of and to be the most genuine is being genuine within yourself. And that's something that I have learned even throughout my own career is that sometimes my solutions aren't the best solutions. And I think youth have that bit of humbleness behind them. They are extremely motivated and ambitious, but they're also very humble in that it's not necessarily that they have to own that idea so much as that idea or that technology has to be implemented in a way that actually creates impact. And I've seen that in many of the youth that I've worked with and across many, whether that's like grassroots networks or as organized bodies, that youth-led conversations and technology deployments or, or just program deployments really centers that equitable value. Yeah, and I've experienced some of that firsthand myself, of it very simply just through video calls and having students, for example, in Flint, Michigan, have conversations with students in Seattle, both experiencing slightly different problems, but just being able to leverage video calls to have conversations between people. And kind of like you mentioned, kids maybe have less of a filter, which is wonderful. And there's a whole book, Freakonomics book that came out, Think Like a Freak, but also Think Like a Kid and Just Ask Why. And I think a lot about the conversations between the students in Seattle and Flint, where the kids in Seattle told some of the kids in Flint, like, why don't you just move? And the kids in Flint were like, well, we can't, this is our home. And it was, it was a, a harmless question, but it, it helped spark like a, this is what happened and this is why. And it's, that was sort of, for me, it was kind of developing empathy on the spot in terms of understanding that. That's one example I can think of, but what are an example or two that you can think of in regards to whether how a technology is being used to bridge the gap between two groups, someone that can give a hand and someone that needs a hand or anything in any programs or anything that come to top of mind? Oh, yes. No, so way, way too many. You can see the smile on my face. I, like, I'm just like beaming to reply like with a waterfall of my answers. <laughs> I would say first and foremost, I'm recently working with a young innovator and social entrepreneur herself. She's the founder of IBO Zambia, Christina Yasuda. She is like a pioneer in digital identity, like particularly like as a young person. She was like on MIT's 35 under 35. And, you know, absolutely incredible human being. And she has founded IBO Zambia with her country director, as a project of internetbar.org institute, which is the nonprofit that I'm the executive director of today. And with digital identity solutions and verifiable credentials to create this digital identity, what is amazing about it is the fact that it is relying on trust. It is relying on building trust in networks and communities. And the way that this is being deployed in Zambia is with empowerment programs for young single mothers primarily, but many in the Kabwe Zambia community. And with this, they've been able to create educational programs to be able to help create a an understanding of financial services and knowing what it's like to have your budget, but also, you know, have that continued support to be able to have these lending empowerment, small, small amount programs in place to be able to help these single mothers start their own businesses. So it's, it's this pipeline and it's this community that's being built behind, not just education, but, you know, also being able to apply it and grow 
and become entrepreneurs themselves. It is one way that the community has gotten so involved that they want to be able to create a center behind it and still establish that verifiable credential with using QR codes to be able to access facilities. like The goal is to be able to create a hall that engages the public. They're partnered with a youth organization, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but there was about 5,000 youth that are involved with this to be able to enhance their own IT skills training and also be able to be part of this overall community where industrialization like isn't present. You know, it's, it's one of those underserved areas that is really starting to take matters into their own hands in the best way possible. So that is something that I'm really amazed and proud of her and her country directors to be able to implement and, and deploy. And yeah, that's an incredible project that came out of the work that Internet Bar has has tried to do. Uh, and they've done well successfully. Like it was originally a project called The Invisibles and it has since formed into its own organization from there. Like it's, it's awesome. And there's a couple other ones, but that's one of the ones that come to top of mind first. That's great. And obviously there's there's so many different challenges and also opportunities around the different 17 SDGs and the whole aspect of digital identity and being able to properly express yourself and being able to engage with engage with others and, and being able to find job opportunities while also being able to use your phone for social media or payment. Those are all these different things yeah. we don't realize like, you know, this cell phone that's in my hand, like do everything through it. I think that's just an interesting evolution in the past, I don't know, 15 years. I mean, I, I grew up without a cell phone until I was, I think it was 17, and I got a cell phone. So that was by you know standards today that you know it'd be like a dinosaur if you're 17 and got a cell phone. Now you're like two years old or you're like you're you know fresh newborn and playing with a cell phone. But yeah, just in kind of riffing on this kind of the use of a, a cell phone and digital identity. Any context you have or thoughts around like cell phone usage or, or not in a bad way or could be in a bad way, but like how do cell phones and access to even like Wi-Fi and, and internet, what role does that play with allowing those that are disenfranchised or those that are in poverty the chance to, to improve their livelihood? Any, any thoughts or anything, any color commentary you want to add there? Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's there's a few different pieces, and I think that it stems from the ability to utilize. So having internet access is becoming more and more of a human right. I would not be surprised. And I think there was already a statement by the UN Human Rights Commission, UNHCR, to be able to state that the ability to have the internet access is something. I, I forgot the quote, but in few words, I think that you know it is definitely becoming more and more of a human right in a way that water is and to be able to utilize the internet for digital identity and all these different opportunities for it, it is the gateway to economic opportunity to socialization to so many different aspects of life that originally wasn't around when you know even back in the 90s there was a dial-up internet i remember that too i was younger but <laughs> I do remember it. And being able to to have a cell phone at your finger, like cell phones are miniature computers. That, that's just the way that they are nowadays. And to be able to have that, you know, is basically like, like a, a pass, you know, almost like a rite of passage at this point. It's even starting at a younger age, like 
you know, as, as an early teenager. Of course, there's implications of social media and the, the perception and mental health, of course, but the focus for what I am referring to is, is mostly on digital identity and in a way that it captures the opportunity to be able to generate wealth for yourselves and for your community, even raising awareness. We know how social media is used for advocacy efforts nowadays. I mean, even with currently what's happening in uh, Russian invasion is that youth have been able to mobilize like like almost instantaneously overnight to be able to put together this wonderful forum for being able to help Ukrainians find homes or for hiring for jobs or for resources, you know, all types of resources, all kinds of fundraising and being able to create those types of opportunities that we've not seen before. I think this is one of the first. Yet it is also important to mention that like all refugees efforts are also extremely important as well, whether that be in Afghanistan or Cameroon with internally displaced peoples. One of the projects that we have focuses on creating digital identity in Cameroon specifically. So there's a lot of these opportunities that, you know, youth have been able to lead the way on and connect each other. And yeah, utilizing cell phones to do so is definitely important. Having internet access is a human and right. Just to point. add on that a little bit, I sort of gave my attempt of a summary at it earlier, but in 30 seconds or less, what would you say is your definition of digital identity? The way that we see digital identity, particularly within the context of Internet Bar.org Institute, is that there is the word self-sovereign in front of it. I tend to, to stay away from that just for simplicity's sake, but self-sovereign really is about having that ability to become a global citizen. So that is what digital identity is for us. Of course, digital identity is kind of like having your passport digitized. But in this context, what we want to be able to do is create a trusted network with you know, being verified and having all of the technology behind it, but really in a way that enables all of us to become real global citizens. So it's being able to create a trusted framework for governing. In this case, it would be governing the internet and having a global citizenship ID connected to the internet. It's kind of like governing the, the oceans or space, you know, all of these new frontiers. And in this context, it's about that bridge between the digital world and the analog world or the physical world. So that's digital identity really like wrapped up in its 30 second nutshell. But <laughs> I can hear one of my colleagues saying like, oh, Rachel, like there's yeah. just so much more behind it. You don't of, know. <laughs> of course, there, there is more. And, and I, I think it's helpful to provide that context because it's maybe not a term that many people have thought about. And as you were talking throughout this conversation, one thing that I think a lot about is the, the 17 SDGs but the, yep. especially the interconnected nature of them all. And while I love the SDGs and think that they're a great framework in North Star for us to strive for and shoot for, I sometimes hear groups, some people be like, oh, I'm really focused on SDG six water, or, you know, I'm very, I'm just, you know, laser focused on education, laser sure. focused on no poverty, you know, not saying I disagree, but I just, I, I sometimes think that we don't really look at the holistic dynamic of how all of these are interconnected. And again, kudos to everyone that, that's that's working towards these, but what are your thoughts in regards to the siloed nature of the SDGs? And if, is that an incorrect way to phrase it? And, and how do we, you know, is there something missing from the SDGs in regards to how they're interconnected or what are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, so I could take this in a, in a few different ways. And I think the first thing to say is that there is a framework that I have helped been able, well, I built the framework, but it's not with my, it's not my name. So it's called the B1 World Framework. And that's what we use at Internet Bar to be able to leverage the different SDGs. And it is a framework in a way that builds off one another. And that's where that interconnected piece comes into place. And I think at the root of it all, for us at least, is that is is SDG 16.9, which is legal identity for all. So that's really like our angle for it. But that doesn't mean that all of the others aren't important either. So that's where we begin. However, there are many more that even precede ours. And for us, that starts with reducing energy poverty. That's a term that I found Rockefeller Foundation utilizes specifically. And being able to reduce that, it really helps be able to create the opportunities to have uh, basic necessities for others. So whether that is like SDG. So that was SDG 7. And then the next layer is SDG 3, 6, 11. You know, I can go on with each layer, but essentially like the framework of the matter is like it starts with that piece of energy and then it goes into the other basic necessities and then becomes our framework for the digital identity into education. And then it was decent growth and economic opportunity. I'm sorry, decent work and economic opportunity, SDGA, and then community up at the top. And it's not that we're not thinking about this from a human centered approach all the way down underneath or that isn't community driven, but it's like it's community centered. And if you would look like from the top down, it would look like the community is at the center. So it's like it's a triangle and then, yeah, you know how that works. So that is the framework. And so for us, that is how we interconnect all of the SDGs. And there's a lot of organizations that try to and try to successfully also like create their own ways of interconnecting the SDGs. I don't necessarily think that the interconnection part is missing other than a quote that I said before, which was we are just in the way of ourselves. Like if we get past ourselves, we'd be able to, you know, see a lot of the interconnections between the two. And that's what's awesome about youth, too, is that the youth have been able to integrate all of these SDGs, as I mentioned also before, like it's it's absolutely awesome that youth are able to almost inherently see this just with the way that they've been able to connect to other people at their fingertips with cell phones. So like, you know, even in this conversation, like it's everything is connected to each other from like the various questions too. And I think that that's, you know, really cool. I would say if there was a missing SDG, as you can see in my, in the back of my. Yeah. It looks like there's a, there's a persona here. I see 17, but I see an 18th. What is that? I do. You do see an 18 and it's SDG 18 Youth Equity. And I think that really ties everything together. So there were 25 of us that created this together. So I do not claim full credit for this at all. Like it was amazing. And the 25 of us are also creating a proposal. So that way it could eventually get accepted if we have like, you know, a similar onset, you know, because the one thing that we are focused on is like what's happening after 2030. And And we're like, well, youth have been like, you know, at these conversations, they're the ones that are trying to implement, you know, the 17 sustainable development goals. But where is a SDG that focuses on our future and our youth? And that's where SDG 18, you know, came to be realized. And I love its icon. I love its colors. The icon is, I'm sure you've seen the gate and the fence euphemism for equality versus equity. Yep. Yes. 
Yeah, so that's exactly what we utilized. And it's like you see like, you know, one larger person and they're also a non-binary person because we wanted to be able to incorporate like, you know, all the different genders, you know, and being mindful of that, you know, as well. Like, so everything that we did was extremely intentional and even with the colors as well. Like, I mean, purple is, is it's considered like, you know, a regal color. So we wanted to flip that on its head and be like, you know, no, we want this to also be like, you know, just equitable across everyone. And there's no reason why youth can't be regal as well we can be <laughs> but no it, it's extremely important and it was extremely intentional for us to be able to create this so that way we are constantly thinking of our youth we are constantly thinking of our futures and to have that symbol up there as well really captures that so that's what we hope to be able to get all the youth organizations behind uh, we've sent out like surveys to be able to see like hey does this make sense to you we've done a lot of like deep background research into it and so yeah that's where we're we're at today with it but you know the the idea behind it is that way it does get adopted by you know the other un bodies and to make it like you know a thing like a real thing so yeah that's that's what i'm really excited about too thanks for painting that picture and outlining all that and i think as you were talking and and I, i couldn't agree more that we need to think about charlie wilson's war and he was talking about just when uh tom hanks one phrase he talked about was regardless of what's happening, the ball keeps bouncing, you know, and a program can pull out or a, an initiative can change or some, some program may change, but the kids on the ground or the, even the adults or whatever, like there's daily life is still going to go on tomorrow unless something happens and the world completely ends. But because the ball keeps bouncing, we need to continue to think about, you know, not just the roadmap to 2030, but the roadmap afterwards. And I, I agree that the, the youth very much are our future and are, can continue to be the ones that have to navigate and solve and rectify some of the, some of the problems. What yeah. I want to angle this next question towards is there are many people, companies, organizations, institutions that maybe talk about wanting to help the youth and, and maybe some do better than others, but what would you say to those that want to help empower the youth, that want to give back or just or want to, you know, not necessarily the whole give a man a fish, but teach a man how to fish. Like, what would you say to someone that wants to, that is interested in learning and wants to be proactive in the solution to help youth empowerment? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the an easy first step is to come to our Tech for Justice on conference <laughs> without making that a shameless plug. But like on a, on a serious level, like what is fantastic about this unconference is that this is like a huge roundtable discussion that fosters intergenerational collaboration. We are bringing together through the organization that I'm with, both youth and youth-led networks, as well as our legal empowerment network of and professionals. So these could be lawmakers, legal tech professionals, policymakers, et cetera. And what we really hope to be able to foster is that collaboration in a way that drives like, you know, tangible results. So, I mean, yes, it is a conversation and it always starts with a conversation, but by being able to like do this, like this roundabout matchmaking between youth and professionals, I mean, that would be a fantastic first step is being able to, to come to this event and be able to be part of more. I think like being able to just have that open mind to be able to look at, you know, the types of youth organizations that are out there 
when I attended the, and you, Kevin, um, also were part of the SDG Youth Summit, the Youth SDG Summit. You know, we saw that there were a lot of youth that were there. They were able to speak their minds and they were talking to a lot of other youth. They were talking with a lot of the other youth. But I, the one thing that I think that, you know, could encapture this even greater is being able to bring all of our other networks to the table too. Like that's where that whole concept of equity really comes into play is that we want to be able to capture, you know, both gener, you know, like this intergenerational concept. And speaking of the generations, you know, the one thing that I wanted to also like give credit to was the Iroquois because they created the seventh generation principles stating that decisions that we make today should result in a sustainable world seven generations into the future. So I wanted to make sure that that is also captured because that was brought to our attention by one of our allies, Akasha Sequoia Salvner, which I know you also know because she was at, <laughs> all three of us were on a, a topic to get, we're on a conversation together at the Youth SDG Summit, but also, you know, know each other, et cetera. But yeah, she brought that to my attention. I was like, that is absolutely awesome. And that's something that, you know, I wanted to make sure that, you know, gives its proper credit as well. Yeah, I've been very impressed with her storytelling, um, just being able to tap into the unique insights of a lot of the, I know up in Canada, but also around the world with some of the just kind of getting behind the curtains and really showing the deep nuances to daily life or the challenges that people face. And I think that that was something that I've thought a lot about of just really asking simple yet direct questions to people to be able to better understand like what what they're going through. And I like that about some of her work and think it's just important to, to understand these perspectives, especially from the youth, because frankly, yes, we were all young and maybe some of us are all kids, kids at heart, some more than others. You know, I sometimes still think I'm like a 13 year old boy that's just like trying to throw rocks at trees and like, and, you know, break stuff, which I'm, I'm like a little bit past that, not entirely past that. But I guess just kind of now parlaying that into sort of this next question of how can we all continue to harness that fountain of youth? And obviously age is one thing and time is one thing we we all have in common. Like we're all going to die eventually. We're not going to be young and and free forever. But to kind of have that mindset of of thinking like a young person and, and acting in some ways like a young person, like what what are some suggestions or insights on how we could um, use that as, as a source of inspiration when we wake up tomorrow? Right. No, you know, that's a, that's a fantastic question. And that's something that, you know, if we had the SDG 18, I'd be able to point to you to our <laughs> targets and indicators, <laughs> but also like, you know, in a, in a serious way, you know, the one thing that I've been able to see across, you know, all the organizations I've been a part of is being able to continuously ask questions, being able to also not just ask questions for the sake of asking questions, but for the intent to listen. I think one concept that you've been able to employ like really well is the, is being able to radically listen which is listening to learn and to understand, you know, like as we get older, it is something where, you know, we become experienced and because we have that experience, we want to be able to share it. But something that always keeps us, you know, rooted in ourselves is being able to listen to others' perspectives and not only just in ourselves and be able to create that genuine connection between people. To me, that's the basis of compassion. And without compassion, we won't see um, much of a future. So for myself, I think that it is imperative to have that perspective of always being able to 
listen and to be able to per, and to be able to learn and i think that you know as as youth that's something that is instilled at us in a young age you know from going to school like i mean it's a rather simple concept but you know just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's not you know helpful and i think that's something also to be said is that you know technology we always and bringing this back to you know one of our earlier points is that you know with technology and you know having things at your fingertips it's being able to you know like grow and innovate and you know think of the best and you know the coolest technology and sometimes it's just as simple as connecting individuals with each other and solving those you know simple problems or being able to just simply connect and i think that that's awesome of what youth have been able to you know really master i think that that is a mastery that as we get older we lose beautifully said i really agree that having that compassion for others and just being able to listen is, is such a such a simple thing that maybe is overlooked and that that one thing that came to mind is another phrase that is timeless and someone else probably says it better than I will right now, but we we have two ears and, and one mouth. So we should use that accordingly. Meaning it's it's good to just use your mouth to ask questions, but it's, it's really good to listen. And you mentioned that earlier and that we may have some great ideas, but they may not be the right ideas and that's okay. Um, it's just needing the conversation. And, and I think discourse and forums and you know, especially even now within the world of the internet, this digital identity that we can have to engage is, is so important. And so I, I just, you know, continue to riff on this. I mean, what are some ways maybe within your work with an internet bar in, in the whole concept of digital identity and empathy development and developing compassion and listening to each other? Like what is happening now in this realm of connecting people digitally in a way that can help develop and further enhance these soft skills that are so important for for us to be good global stewards. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic question. And the fact that, you know, at the center of it is that trust building. And that's really where the concept of digital identity and verifiable credentials creates that opportunity to like, whether that be, you know, different types of training or impactful engagements or, and, you know, there's a lot of different technology, there's not not necessarily technologies, but there's a lot of different platforms that have been able to do this successfully, be that with what IBO Zambia is doing, or even Yoma. Yoma is the youth marketplace of Africa. It is one of, there. there's a, I think it's a consortium. I know they have Yoma Foundation and it's also backed by Generation Unlimited. I serve on the governance task force for it and the specifically youth governance task force uh, in term on an interim basis. But what is fantastic about that is they've been able to also create, you know, this this trust network, this ability to be able to do that governance piece in a way that's not like, you know, too much of a centralization. It's very much decentralizing this trust and being able to decentralize like our identities as global citizens, but also engage with our local communities by being able to be incentivized to do social impact of volunteer work or being able to utilize the credits and being able to utilize the credits that they've been able to achieve. I'm sorry, it's not just credits. I think it's Zelta, which is a cryptocurrency. I really don't remember off the top of my head, quite honestly. But by participating in social impact, you're able to utilize these for other like vocational trainings or other discounts and perks and stuff like that. So that's what Yoma has been able to do successfully as well. Yoma, 
For a second, I thought you were going to say YOLO, Youth Marketplace of Africa. I'll have to check that one out. But to your point earlier, I, I think the trust building, I love that. That is the foundation to successful partnerships, relationships, developing something developing something new across, especially cross borders. So I, I really like that point and, and would love to kind of have a circle kind of round out here. Would love kind of a two final things, questions kind of prompt to you. One is, do you have any sort of like challenge that you'd like to give the listeners? Like any, as far as something that they could try and do differently in their life tomorrow or next month, like a, a you know, a lot of times people talk about, oh, I want to, I want to lose weight, but really it's more of like, no, you get, you know, you're going to work out five times a week. Like don't, don't necessarily say a goal, but say, tell me the process, but like any type of any challenge and is, is one thing. And then do you have any favorite quote or book that you'd recommend? Oh, I have an answer to both of those. So for the first, for the challenge, I would say invest in youth. And I say that really intentionally because the world of impact investing is still inventing itself. And I just had a conversation with a wonderful woman, Aisha Williams of Impact Vest, and she is working to bridge the gap between like what happens behind closed rooms of impact investing with what is going on, you know, with what the fundraisers, or I'm sorry, not fundraisers, with what like civil society and other organizations want to see to be able to understand, you know, like how impact investing is made. And she does this within the context of being able to help steer the sustainable development goals. And we had a conversation recently about, you know, investing in youth-led endeavors. Did you know that the social return on investment, and this is a statistic by One Young World, that for every Every dollar that is invested into a youth-led program, in their case, they 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 utilized this was a sample from their youth ambassadors that they generated a $16 output. So with most nonprofits or not NGOs at large, is that for every one dollar invested, you get two dollars in social return on investment. But for youth-led initiatives, it's one dollar for 16 social return on investment. That is awesome. Please invest in youth. <laughs> Any impact investors out there, but anybody in general. I mean, invest in youth-led organizations, invest in time and energy and volunteer efforts. I promise that we bring fun memes. <laughs> lots, but of, also lots of like, gifts. Lots of gifs. Yes, yes. But also, you know, like a true, I would say it's genuine. It's it's authentic I, without saying that word as a buzzword too much. You know, it's, it's that genuine motivation and ambition to really want to make a difference in the world. We see it every day. And so I think that, you know, by investing in youth, that would be my challenge, whether that's your time, your energy, or even walking the walk with funds. I think that that would, I think that is going to be my challenge for, for the world. Love it. And your favorite quote or book that you're reading? Yeah. Favorite quote from my favorite book is all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. And that is said by Gandalf in Lord of the Rings of the Fellowship of the Rings specifically. I'm a huge Tolkien fan. Like there's no, that's, that's, there's no surprise there, <laughs> but I love it. Yeah, I think that that's exactly, you know, what I would like to to cap that off with as well. Yeah, I, another phrase I, I live by as well is the, the Marcus Aurelius stoicism of memento mori. I mean, it's not looking at death as something that we fear, but looking at it as something that we know is inevitable. So give it and use it as a sense of inspiration for today. And time is finite for us as human beings until we you know figure out how to you know, drink some elixir of immortality, which is not going to happen. So what are you going to do today to make a difference and to make it count? And I guess we did. Yes, it's okay to have some bad days, some bad weeks, a bad year, whatever. 
but you know get aligned with with groups that like with like with rachel and and i mean i'll put rachel's uh links and bios in the, in the show notes but you're connected to so many amazing organizations it'll be in the show notes but definitely i recommend people reaching out and, and it would would your website link rachel svetinoff.com be the best one for people to reach out yeah they can reach out to that one or internet or any of the other organizations <laughs> that i'm happy to to provide and to also list out because I know I mentioned a lot of names, a lot of wonderful people. And yeah, to get in touch with me is relatively easy. Like, yeah, yeah sure. Rachelspenoff.com works. Type it in the internet, it'll pop up somewhere. And, exactly. Yeah. Well, Rachel, you are doing awesome things and continue to keep up all the amazing work. And I'm excited to talk again soon and see what's in store for you for the rest of 2022 and, and beyond. Awesome. No, you too, Kevin. Please take care. And no, it's absolutely wonderful to be here. And you also continue doing your great work. You know, it's it's lovely to, to see everything that you're up to as well. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Take care. Thanks for listening to the SDG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow SDG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash in United Nations community. The goal of the SDG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.